0: it's all gonna get taken away. Yeah. Well, that hasn't happened. I'm still creating. So, Grandma, I'm sorry, but I think you were wrong at that.
1: <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Grand Canyon Speaks. My name is Ranger Jonah.
2: And I'm Ranger Melissa.
1: So, Melissa, could you tell us a little bit about this episode?
2: hmm yeah. Our coworker, Kelly, interviewed Noreen Simplicio, who's a Zuni
0: potter on a very, very windy evening. Um, What's great about Noreen's time with us here at the Canyon was seeing her love of sharing her pottery process with others and especially the
1: youth. Yeah, you know what? I would have never realized the role of manure (laughs) in pottery without this interview.
0: Yeah, hopefully everyone will also learn that and enjoy this recording. So without further ado, Noreen. Well, before I um, introduce myself, I wanted to thank the National Park Service, Kelly and Dan, for um, uh, continuing the um, demonstration program, because the last time I was here was back in April of 2016, so that was the last time I was here, but so happy to be back here. And uh, I'll talk more about that, but yes, my name is Noreen Simpliceal. I'm from Zuni Pueblo. I'm a potter. I've been a potter for about 40 years. And um, this place is very um, special to us, our our tribe and along with uh, the other 11 affiliated tribes. Uh, This Zuni history um, tells us that um, there's a place here north from here, um, called Ribbon Falls. Um, the way you say it in Zuni is It's a place of emergence. Yeah, very beautiful place. And um, that's why this place is very special to us because this is the place where our ancestors emerged from the fourth underworld. So I myself never really knew where we came from or why we settled in Zuni. But once we came out from this area, our people, well, there was a purpose for us coming out from the fourth underworld. Our purpose was father, son wanted somebody to be doing the offerings, a prayer stick, uh, food, and just prayers, the offerings to give the people blessings, so that's why we came out from the earth. And once our people came out from the earth, um, they went looking for the Zuni, which is now called the Middle Place. So they made their journey towards the Zuni area, and of course, that story is is pretty true because along the area coming here or going that way to Zuni, there's places of settlement that our people settled in. So once they, the way they found this middle place was they used a water strider. The water strider spread out its legs and it touched all the oceans in the world. And once it stood there like this, the middle of his heart is where the middle place is now in Zuni. So when I was growing up, I would ask Grandma, like, why are we here? Why do we settle here? And that's the story behind it. And I didn't know this until somewhere between maybe 2017 when I, um, when I was asked to work at a substance abuse program. I worked at a recovery program to teach the recoveries, um, I guess, through my clay and through my, the work that I do um, as therapy for the recovery people. So once we worked with them about teaching about the Zuni culture, language, prayers, whatever, anything and everything about Zuni, we taught for like six weeks, then we did a journey to Ribbon Falls, actually hiking down uh, Bright Angel Trail and North Kaibat Trail, like actually walking to this Ribbon Falls place. So I had an opportunity to do do it twice, and I'm glad
2: I did, and I survived. (laughs) Yes. And if anybody, um, do you want to tell everybody where Zuni is at and how far it is from here? (sighs) Okay, Zuni, if
0: if any of you know where Gallup, New Mexico is... Anybody know where Gallup, New Mexico is? Okay, we're like what, southwest like 40 miles southwest of there. So we live on a reservation. I don't quite know how big our reservation is, maybe 10,000, maybe more, but that's where I'm from and that's where actually I learned my craft. My I learned at I, I wish I could say a grandma taught me or a grandpa taught my work what I do now, but I've been a potter for 40 years. Um, and I learned at the high school, but I didn't learn from a Zuni person. I learned from another Pueblo, Mm. an Acoma person that was my instructor. Mm. So I took the classes in high school and from there, I just kind of, um, developed and, and, um, perfected my techniques as I went through my years. But, um, I, I consider myself a traditional contemporary potter. I use traditional techniques, uh, contemporary techniques. It wasn't until this past July, there was another Hopi person, Bobby Silas, that was teaching a traditional class at our college in Zuni. So I said, well, I need to take this class because what he was gonna teach was the old, old techniques. So I took the class and when when I first showed up in the classroom, everybody was like, what are you doing here? (laughs) You're, You're already a master. And then I said, well, I need to learn. It's always good to learn other people's way of teaching and learning different techniques. So one of the requirements, I mastered everything. I mastered the building. I mastered the uh, the uh, designing. The hardest thing for me was using yucca, the plants that, the yucca, because that's what our ancestors used a long time ago. They used yucca brushes to paint their pots. That's why I brought this pot with me, because this is my first pot that, has been done the old, old styled way. So I've I managed I struggled a lot using the yucca but I managed to master it. So how long did it take you to do that million years? I mean it took a while because it took me a long time to actually get the feel and and the feel of the yucca. Because I was so, for like 35, 40 years, I've always been using paintbrushes. Never yucca, because I could never do it when I was younger. So it was it was my destiny. It was my, like, I need to perfect this.
2: So I did. That's why I brought this pot with me. That's beautiful. And I know there are so many... Um, people who are coming today to your table and they wanted to um, know what different um, of your pieces represent especially the frogs oh, oh yeah. my gosh the kids love your work yeah and, and I were drawn to your uh, frog pottery yeah, yeah and I brought one with me you can you know
0: after the session is over you can come take a look but Everything, all the pigments that I use, I go up in the mountains and dig my own clays. Well, I actually don't do the digging. I have my, my boyfriend, and I bring a lot of men with me because the place where I dig the clays is, is pretty rugged. You have to go down in the bottom of the, the mountain there and dig it and then hike it back up. So it's it's a workout. So they they help me um, collect my um, my clays, but they're natural pigments. Um One of the things that was um, taught to me um, by my instructor was always respect the earth because the clay is very valuable. And um, before we actually, I'm cold, before before I actually start digging, there's always prayer involved. There's always offerings of cornmeal and food. Uh, before you actually start digging, and when you're digging, when the clay comes out plentiful, because you literally have to dig to get to the clay. So when it's coming out plentiful, and then after a while it kind of stops coming out. So that that kind of tells you that's all you can have f- for now. So so that's one of when I teach like youth or children whatever, I try to instill this in them, that the clay is very valuable. Mm-hmm. And it, and if you treat it right, and if you create from your heart, I would say in Zuni, if you create from your heart, you'll develop or create beautiful things. So that's one of the important things um, that I like to talk about, especially to the young people, that when I teach, we have to respect the earth, the clays uh, in each other. And, and
2: this is what I share with, with the youth because I think it's important. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you get the clay, do you pick it out um, different seasons or do you just do it whenever? Um, well,
0: mm-hmm. I can say that <laughs> don't go digging clay when the snakes are out. Mm. Okay. <laughs> so usually, like, in the summertime, we don't really do it. Like, I wanted to go up there before it got really hot yeah. and before the snakes came out. Oh, yeah. So I I would probably have to go make a trip maybe sometime August, late August, mm-hmm. September, when the snakes go back in. Because it's very rocky and they live
2: in the those rock areas. Yeah. And yeah. kind of... Scared of snakes, so... I second that, (laughs) Um, and I'm a park ranger out here, and um, but definitely, because I know um, it was really great to hear about some of the... Do you want to tell us about the frogs and...
0: Yeah, the frogs. uh, The frogs, like I was telling Kelly the other day that I don't really know where some of my ideas come from. It just happens. Like, when I'm creating something, I don't have a plan. I don't have anything, like, sketched out. It just happens. And I think that's, like, the gifts that I have. And um, when I first, um, when I remember when I was a young girl, about maybe five or six, I remember always playing with mud. I used to make, like, little mud pots all the time. So when I went to high school and I found out there was a class, pottery class, of course, I took it and I stayed in it all throughout my high school years. And I perfected it, and I was just a natural at it. And then after I graduated, I I met up with another Akama woman that was a potter, and she taught me marketing, and she said, you need to do this. So I did, and I've been making pots ever since. And the frog pots, like I said, I don't know where I got my idea for the frog pots, but um, I do them in in many different ways. Um, The frog, in Zuni we have, like everybody, if you're Zuni, you belong to some sort of clan. I'm not a frog, but I love doing frogs. So I'm a badger and uh, and an eagle. So I should be doing badgers and eagles, but I don't know how to make those, so <laughs> I don't do them. But frogs' representation is their, uh, what I would say in Zuni, kashima. Kashima is prayer for rain, water. Whenever there's water, there's life. <laughs> so I think that's why I do frogs a lot. And um, one of the other things that I want to really say is that Within the 40 years, I mean, I've been everywhere. Well, not everywhere, but I've been at most museums and uh, places where they have markets. Um, I set out my frogs. People come to my table. I always get a smile. I always make Mm -hmm. people happy with my frogs. Mm -hmm. So I said, if I had collected $1 within the 40 years, I would be living high and mighty.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's exactly um, what I've been seeing the the past few days that yeah. you've been here. And, of course, when I went up to your table, I was like, the frogs are so beautiful. The kids were drawn to it. But you've been doing this for 40 years. I think that's a long time. Yeah. Um, do you get tired of doing that? No, oh, no. <laughs> no, because, I mean,
0: my, my whole life as a potter, I mean, like, there's never, day that I don't create if I don't create I don't feel good Mm. do you have other hobbies besides pottery well I should but I work too much Mm -hmm. but I like hiking I like exercising Mm. taking care of me I know those are like crazy hobbies but that's what I I just love I love teaching Mm. I love teaching my art I love sharing my art Uh, As a matter of fact, um, there's a program in Zuni. It's a youth program. They've been up and running for a while now, and it's called the Zuni Youth uh, Enrichment Program. Um, So I do summer camps, and I teach children. I've taught in the high school. I even came here in, uh, I think, the later part of um, April Mm -hmm. um, to teach. Debbie, my friend, she teaches at the Grand Canyon High School, And I was invited by Debbie and the staff there to come out to the Grand Canyon High School to teach Mm -hmm. for a week. It was a blast. We, I mean, I hadn't taught for a while, but we had such a great time. We had a, a, a showing on Friday night, what the kids created. Mm-hmm. So it was a beautiful event, and I was really honored to be here to teach. Mm-hmm. Only because, like I said, the Grand Canyon is a very special place for Zuni people. Mm-hmm. And I mean, my my boyfriend just said, "This is our second home."
2: Yeah, being here at Grand Canyon. Um, what are some of the um, I know you teach the Grand Canyon Kids School, which is really important for indigenous youth to reconnect to the culture here but also be proud of who they are. And how long have you been working with um, the kids, like kids? and Oh,
0: Azumi. since, um, well, actually when um, my son was fourth grade in, in, in the uh, elementary school, that's where I first um, got my first teaching pottery teaching job because the teacher asked me to it was kind of like a parent talent day or something so I went in and took my clay and had the kids you know play with it and make things out of it so that was actually my don't ask me how how long ago that was because I don't remember (laughs) but anyway so ever since then um, when I went in when I wanted to go into the school my grandma would always say um, why are you teaching other kids Mm. Why are, you, why are you sharing your talent? Because a lot of times, you know, I know that sounds so negative, but whatever um, talent you have or, or <coughs> our elders always say that if you share your talent and you teach somebody, it's all going to get taken away. Yeah. Well, that hasn't happened. I'm still creating. So, Grandma, I'm sorry, but I think you were wrong at that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: And what is your favorite part of um, making the pottery? I you... think my frogs. The frogs. Yeah, because yeah. Uh, because
0: I do a pot that looks similar to this one. The frogs are peeking over, and then I also have another roll of frogs, kind of like pulling them out of the, like, like the pot, and that kind of goes with the um, emergent story, mm-hmm. because the emergent story. Our people lived in the, the fourth underworld and they had to go through different layers mm. of to get to the top of the earth. And the way the, story, the history goes is that they use different types of trees to get to the, to the top. So it's kind of like the Jack and the Beanstalk story. So I think we're, our tribe is the one that created that story. (laughs) That's what I want to
2: believe anyway. Yeah. And then have any of the kids that um, you taught to, are you mentors to them? today? Well, I,
0: I'm, I've not really made connections with them after teaching, but I, I always have an open door. Mm -hmm. Like, You know, I give them my number, and I said, if you ever need anything, you need material, you need resources, you need how to do this
2: and that, Mm -hmm. I'm always there. Yeah, and... today I did see some kids who just went up to her table and she just gave them clay and taught them how to start making clay and I think she's really great with our youth in this area. She's a great teacher. Yeah I I
0: love to teach anybody that wants to learn. So I do sometimes open my studio at, at home and offer some workshops maybe if you ever want to come to Zuni and stay in Zuni um, and learn from me for a couple days
2: you're more than welcome to do that mm-hmm. and and that's a lot of the questions I get from visitors um, they want to visit a lot of the tribes out in Zuni but I'm not Zuni <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, are, is there a place where they can go to learn more about the Zuni tribe or people in that area well um, well,
0: we do have a visitor center uh, and then they have like tour guides mm-hmm. um, paid tour guides oh, wow. in Zuni mm-hmm. and then we have a bread and breakfast place there wow. um, or you can come to me and I'll take you to our mountain <laughs>
2: <laughs> um I wanted to know, like, you know, when you were growing up, um, you told me that you didn't really... Um, a lot of the connection here at Grand Canyon, it didn't really connect till later on. Yes. And um, are some of the work from Grand Canyon in your pottery? I know you said the frog is one of them. Um,
0: well, um, not really, but just only the frog pot that I was talking about. But um, I think, you know... I can create <laughs>
2: things that are connected from this place. And I see some. These are deer, right? Yeah. And then um, you did tell me about the opening of the mouth. Can you tell me about that again? Yes. Uh, I always try to somewhere on the
0: pot. I, the arrow that's leading to his heart is called the breath of life. So I, every time I, I paint my deers somewhere on the pot, I leave the mouth open to say so that there's breath coming in and breath going out and having life. The the symbol right here where the line that goes around the pot that don't connect, that's a lifeline. Your lifeline, my lifeline, everybody's lifeline or the li- even the lifeline of the pot. So when you create something with clay, you bring it
2: to life. Wow, that's beautiful. Yeah, and um, I can just leave the floor open for any questions that you all might have. Does anybody have any questions?
1: The only time I've ever seen pottery made is with clay on a
0: wheel, right? Do you use a wheel to form your pots? No, this is what I use. I use my. So are able to work the clay to the right thickness and the right density and also make it like symmetrical perfectly round or whatever 40 (laughs) years it took me to (laughs) make it well when it comes to my when it comes to my work i like to be perfect but sometimes the clay has a mind of its own if like you have a plan in mind that you want a certain shape or a certain style sometimes it won't happen Hmm. so you just gotta Go with the flow and accept it. And especially if you worked on a piece and it breaks in the firing, mm. it hits you right in the heart. But you know what? You don't stop there. You you, keep trying. And one of the other things that I wanted to say was that I have a story about my nephew I saw he had a lot of talent, right? So I kept influencing him. I said, "Hey, you really know how to do this really well. You should really like advance yourself and start maybe doing some things in relief and things like that." But he he was young and he was a type like like I think I was forcing him to do it because I saw the talent. So every time he came over to work on a he was working on this large piece one time and He would come over and work on it, but his attitude was not good. He was either angry or something was going on with him. So I would say, go home, get out of here, go home, come back tomorrow or something. And then he kept doing that. And he'd done a large owl that he was working on like for months. But I knew because of his attitude and the way his behavior was while he was creating, that the owl wasn't going to make it through. So when he finally finished it, I fired it, and guess what? I was so afraid, because all my pieces are are currently now being fired in a kiln. But with taking this class from Bobby, um, I learned how to do outdoor firing. So Mm -hmm. uh, this class, when I took it, it just, like, rejuvenated me. I can't wait to start doing everything, like, the old way. And how does an outdoor firing look? Um, You practically build your own um, kiln Mm -hmm. using manure, but a very stinky process. (laughs) Very stinky process. And what type of manure? (laughs) Um, You can use cow manure, um, sheep manure. You could use wood. Uh, But it's pretty awesome Mm -hmm. how you build your own pit. So I can't wait to try it, but I also need to do it somewhere other than my home because there's lots of neighbors around. I'm going to get the police called on me if I do that. (laughs) (laughs) Did did the owl break? Oh, yes. The owl broke. One of the eyes popped off. One of the ears popped off. No, he cried. Mm -hmm. We all cried because the whole family was like so into it. Mm -hmm. We couldn't wait to see it. But that's what happened. But I knew, I knew it was going to happen because of his attitude. So like, it's very important that your attitude is like really good, like not sad, but always happy because all whatever you're feeling when you're creating, Mm -hmm. it's going in, the energy is going into the piece. Mm. So when the hour broke, of course, we sent it to the pottery hospital on top of a shelf <laughs> which stayed there for like 2-3 years and then I kept telling him I said you need to do it from your heart and he kept saying what do you mean so the owl taught him a lesson and he finally got it but he didn't create for like 2-3 years
2: mm.
0: and then I said come back when you're ready <laughs> then we'll go through surgery mm. so we fixed it and it now, uh, somebody bo- from Zuni bought it for their collection. Wow. But it made it. It was like, good as new. As a play
1: person, can you help me understand um, understand the difference between a yucca brush and a regular brush? Like
0: what? Oh, the, 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 yucca the yucca brush? Yucca. Okay, so all all this time since yeah. I've been a potter for like 35, 40 plus years, um, I've always yeah. used brushes because I could never use yucca. Brushes have a wooden handle and bristles. Yucca brushes are just little fibers, and the stem of the uh, yucca. So it's a little bit harder to control, and a little bit more harder to um, maneuver the, the the bristles. So, like you're talking arthritis there. Oh wow. <laughs> And do you go through like a lot of yucca brushes?
2: Well, that time,
0: of... like to to finish this mm-hmm. one, I probably went through four. Oh, you can make them in different sizes. You know how the yucca, uh, the stem of the yucca is green. You you scrape that off, and once you scrape off the green part, then you get your fibers. <laughs> mentioned earlier you walked from like a Bright Angel Trail half uh, to your Zuni. The Ribbon Falls? Yeah, so how long does it take? I think um, it was my
2: understanding was like 25 miles <laughs> round trip. Yeah, so on the Bright Angel Trail, it's longer switchbacks than South Kaibab oh, yeah. Trail. and Bright Angel tra- Trail is about, like, nine miles down to Phantom Ranch. And then you also have to go up elevation on the North Kaibab Trail. Mm-hmm. And then that's another, like, seven miles. So it is a pretty, a um, you know, yeah. long hike. And it is one of um, the hardest hikes here at Grand Canyon mm-hmm. because it's hotter in the canyon right now. But also she told me that she was carrying a 50-pound bag while hiking to Ribbon Falls.
0: I was determined to get there because I needed to like see the place and see like where we actually come from. And once we found we 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 came down from Bright Angel Trail all the way down to Bright Angel Camp. We spent the night there. Then we went into Ribbon Falls the next morning. And then we we planted our prayer sticks there while well, the menfolk did planted our prayer sticks and played around there and then headed back to the camp. Next morning, we came back up. So it was a very grueling hike, but I'm so glad that I did it because it was just a spiritual journey for me. So one thing I want to say about the Grand Canyon area is that because of the 11 affiliated tribes, uh, this this is my own personal thoughts because of the ribbon falls being such a very sacred place for many of the native pueblos tribes i feel that it should not be open to the public because a lot of times when non-natives go there and and damage the landscape because there's a there's a teaching or saying that the elders always talk about is when you travel into the forest into the woods area these are homes to the bugs the plants, the trees so we have a big thing about trashing the earth which is not a very pleasant sight so that's just my feeling on like it shouldn't be open to the public it should only be open to natives because we do do our spiritual offerings
2: there. So that's just my only thoughts on that. It's really hard to kind of make that connection with the native people in these areas because spiritually, it's still alive. Mm-hmm. Like she said, there's animals, there's living species that live in these areas. And because it is a living landscape, it's also um, spiritually alive. We're not physically here, but our connection still there with it. Yes. So very important thing that you did say there. Because yeah. it's really, we're, str- we're struggling as Native people yes. today to... Um, save our sacred sites yes. and ribbon falls is a very highly visited area with our visitors So I really appreciate
0: so, that so just to like um be respectful when you do visit places of sacredness um or or places of you know you want to go visit just please be respectful of the land and the landscapes and the animals and even like the little um, ladybugs, because there was some kids today that was playing with the ladybugs and the mom told them go put it over there by the tree. Oh. So just things like that are very important to to us natives because we we pray to the land and um, we use the flesh of the land to create our pieces. So. Just please be respectful. How
2: many colors uh, have you had? Or can
0: you okay, so there's brown, which is the dark brown hematite stone. And the brown hematite stone is mixed with a some sort of plant, like um, wild spinach plant. You pick the plant, you take the leaves off, you boil the leaves, and when the spinach is done, you can eat it and save the juice and, and boil it down to it almost gets like a molasses type really sticky stuff and you dry that and you grind it down on a rock with the hematite stone and the spinach so what the spinach is is kind of like the glue for the paint. But, but you have to, like, get the mixture right. If you add too much of the spinach or if you get too much of the hematite, when you actually do your designing, it'll peel off. Or you won't know until you fire the piece. Mm. And then the other colors are, of course, the white, the peach color, and the red. So those are all the basic colors. Mm. I do also do some other pieces. Uh, I do a lot of things. I do pottery. I do what's called sublimation, which are images um, that are done on the computer, printed out on cups, pillows, whatever. I do clay jewelry. Mm-hmm. Um, what else do we do? Davis and I incorporate some pieces. He's a silversmith, um, and I do
2: the pottery part, and we set them in in silver. Mm-hmm. And do you do, uh, I know you said something earlier before you came here. You're like, I'm going to put the pottery on my head. Oh, yeah. What do you do for those types of dances? Yes, um, there's a,
0: a group of women in Zuni uh, that um, are called the Oya Maidens. Anybody heard of the Oya Maidens? Yes, they're very famous, and it's a group of women um, that um, go around and entertain their entertainment. They carry the pot. On their heads like this, actually balancing them, and they dance Mm -hmm. to music. And when I get back home, I need to do a couple, because the group is going to, um, I believe, New York to and do a performance. So I need to create some pots for them.
1: Um, Could you like? Could you tell us what other like? Um, plants or something you use to make the different
0: colors? Um, The only other plants that I know of that, well not different colors, but to add to the hematite brownstone to make it sticky. So there's the bee weed, the wild spinach, Mm -hmm. and mustard plant, I think. Mm -hmm. yeah. But I've only experimented with the spinach plant. Mm I've not tried the others yet.
2: It's like we are um, right at sunset, so I just have one last question for Noreen. Um, As um, people who are visiting these sacred areas and what you told us tonight, what would you like us to take away from what you talked about um, this evening? Well, just educating the public on, like,
0: really respecting the Native you know, lens and um, respect our culture, Mm -hmm. respect who we are as Native people. Well, let's all be friends and let's all get along. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Well, let's give it up for Noreen. And um, if y'all want to um, see her in action tomorrow, Mm -hmm. she is going to be demonstrating um, at the watchtower.
1: Canyon Speaks is a program hosted by Grand Canyon National Park and the Grand Canyon Conservancy. A special thanks to Aaron White for the theme music. This recording reflects the personal lived experiences of tribal members and do not encompass the views of their tribal nation or that of the national park. To learn more about Grand Canyon First Voices, visit www.nps.gov grca. Here at Grand Canyon National Park, we are on the ancestral homelands of the 11 associated tribes of the Grand Canyon. These being the Havasupai Tribe, the Hualapai Tribe, the Navajo Nation, the Hopi Tribe, the Pueblo of Zuni, the Yavapai Apache Nation, the Kaibeb Band of Paiute Indians, the Las Vegas Paiute Tribe, the Moapa Band of Paiutes, the Paiute Indian Tribe of Utah, and the San Juan Southern Paiute Tribe.